0: Welcome to the Popcorn Counter here at the Two Real Cinema Club. I'm James Rizekar.
1: And I'm Andres Lorente. Two separate people, you and I. And <laughs>
0: but sometimes, sometimes I wonder if, like, some of these people around here, because this is a weird theatre you bring me to. It is a weird you You're exactly right. It is a weird But it's the only one that will let us in. Yeah, but don't you ever get the idea that some
1: of these people have been put together using the parts of various <laughs> dabbers around this
0: town? <laughs> like that too you say was that from just from looking at people or from smelling them
1: yeah. no no it's not the smell we all smell bad I'll acknowledge that but some people like the arms don't quite match up or the, most, <laughs> the, the stitch marks on the face that's always a giveaway
0: <laughs> this place is full of frankensteins it's the little details it's the yeah. little details isn't it yeah it's so Frankenstein is like two over two centuries old now, isn't it? It was eighteen eighteen. Yeah, it came out. That, was there some kind of celebration actually when it in twenty eighteen? I don't remember anything being made of it. No,
1: it was written by a woman. No, no celebration.
0: <laughs> of course, why would we celebrate uh, women's literature? But it's I, it's like um, having just come out of um, of poor things. I've been thinking about how often um, Frankenstein is basically. Um, uh, uh, reused and retold as a movie. It's been it's been told like so many times, and not just as as a Frankenstein film. There was, uh, weren't we talking about how um, there's the Kenneth Browner film, yeah, uh, with uh, Robert De Niro, isn't yeah. there? I can't remember who else is in that. And I, clearly, I've seen that because I can remember some images for it, but I cannot remember a great deal about the film yeah. at all, except that I do clearly remember you telling me that it was bad. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was bad.
1: I didn't like it. I I, De Niro as the monster was very strange to me. But he's, he's not a
0: big man, is he, De Niro? And somehow no. I seem to remember they tried to make him look big by just putting yeah. the camera closer, I guess. Yeah,
1: and you were, you were complaining about his range recently when we talked of Killers of the Flower. Yeah. I, I mean, I think the monster takes a lot of range. There's a lot of growth in the arc of the story for that character. So I think he was the wrong part. I think it was mostly De Niro that made it. Made it bad for me. It's a—I mentioned in the pond. It's a fantastic book. I love this book, um, and I used it a lot for a story that I wrote, a script that I wrote as well. So I think—I um, think it's hard to do it service. Though. It's a big book. I mean, it's several hundred pages. It's—it's um, it's dense. It's flowery. The language is fantastic. Um, so it's one of those things. It's—I always think it's really a mistake to take a great book and turn it into a film, and yet think of how many films have come out of Frankenstein.
0: The one that really occurs to me um, is things like uh, Robocop, isn't it? Mm. I remember um, a friend of mine uh, years ago, a friend of my brother's, that's it, who was kind of a bit of a film buff. Yeah. Um, and I remember him kind of sneering at uh, a friend. You know, he, he, kind of, he was telling me the story about how he met like you know, a friend of a friend who told him, oh, you like movies? I love movies. What's your favourite movie? My favourite movie is Robocop. And my yeah. brother's friend kind of really sneering at this, saying, what a ludicrous thing. Obviously, this guy doesn't love movies. And actually, I rather love <laughs> Robocop. And it's a great Frankenstein yeah. story. It manages to get all of those Frankenstein beats in. Yeah. Um, you know, along with a, you know, a bit of satire and some extreme ultraviolence. You know, what's not to like?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think um,
0: for me also just like
1: the more literal ones, the Boris Karloff, Frankenstein from way back when, you know, the man of many monster faces. Um, those are the classic ones, right, that really kind of tell the story um, pretty straight up. And I've seen that one recently, but I've also seen um, I think we talked about this on the pod to Br- Bride of Frankenstein which is a James Whale film, which is... Ah, oh, yes! We talked about this a little while ago because I saw it on 16mm, and it was great. It's not a very long film, as I recall. I saw it around uh, Halloween, so it was just a few months ago. Um, and just the the, the the effects, the technical effects that in that film, given that time, it must be 1930s or early 40s anyway, um, were marvelous. And obviously, you know, there was... I think Frankenstein really lent itself to that silent age because you've got a character who can just grunt and groan a little bit and you 've got established literature to to base it on, so there are a lot of frankenstein's from that period of cinema, I think so and then you know of course, sometimes they get played out, Bride of Frankenstein two or <laughs> Frankenstein four, <laughs> like the Rocky series or something like that, but um and, Frankenstein the divorce, yeah exactly you know they're sort of milking it for what it's worth, but um so I think some of the straight interpretations of uh Frankenstein are really, really good and iconic. Um young Frankenstein, did we talk about
0: that? <laughs> yes. Less straight interpretation. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> but very I
1: mean, very funny, very clever, black and white. Stylistically it's fantastic. Um so that's another uh another take on it. So it's it's I think it's it's good source material because it does have well, it it's it's the the life that gives on keeps on living. You can bring it back to life. It's consistent with Frankenstein himself, <laughs> right? So you can rework it and uh I know, I know
0: that we can talk about some other
1: reworkings of it what what else comes to mind for you
0: I don't want to keep uh repeating uh 1980s science fiction films but I think Blade Runner is basically Frankenstein isn't it I think it's all to do with it's all to do with creating people and the morality of yeah. creating a life um and you know, and, and being the person who makes the decision about who lives and who does not or, you know, creating a creature which has agency. It's all, you know, that's Frankenstein, that is Blade Runner, isn't it? Yeah. Um, the other one, um, uh, which also really reminds me of Frankenstein, is the fly, isn't it? Which is, mm-hmm. you know, you, somehow a man is created but he's created using parts of a different creature as well which yeah. gradually take over. I mean, it's, it, these are, you know, just repetitions of that single fundamental idea but it's it's such a, you know, a, a vivid, powerful little story that you can retell it in a hundred different ways yeah uh, when I was a boy um, I mean I loved a Six Million Dollar Man oh. Yes. Uh, back when it was on, on telly, I watched a little clip of it on uh, on YouTube the other day. Actually, I was curious to see what it still looks like, and there was a, a YouTube video called "Best of Six Million Dollar Man." And I kid you not, it was basically four straight minutes of Lee Majors jumping really high in the air. That was, <laughs> that was what the, the guy who made the video thought that that was the best of the Six Million Dollar Man. In hindsight, yeah, it probably was. Boy, <laughs> but there was the Bionic Woman too. Oh yeah, yes yeah, she she did also feature in some of the clips yeah. but she was only allowed to jog. So yeah, Lee Majors was 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 jumping but yeah. uh, Jamie Summers was only jogging. <laughs> That's the big difference between men and women. Um there's a I think it was a a particular episode of the 6 Million Dollar Man which I must have seen when I was like 8 years old or something like that which really stuck in my mind because I think it formed the basis of a good half a dozen different stories and scripts that I kind of tried to to develop. Yeah. Which is a scene where um you know, Lee Majors has, uh, has kind of seen off the bad guys, um, but I think he he has amnesia, or he doesn't really quite understand what's happened. Maybe it's from the pilot episode, possibly. Oh, but he gets an injury to his arm, and he kind of peels back the skin, and there's machinery underneath yeah. it. And he, and he looks at whoever he's with, and he kind of says, "I'm." I'm a machine. And I remember that you know, this moment being seared into my brain. I've used something very similar you know, several times. Oh, I've yeah. openly stolen that scene several times because I love this notion of someone discovering for the first time something very different about what they thought the world was like. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a great dramatic moment, and yeah. it's absolutely Frankenstein, isn't it? Yeah, and, and potentially becoming more common with the...
1: Advanced uh, prosthetics and um, you know, dig- digital
0: implants and whatnot. I mean, it's just, it's the life that we might have here eventually. <laughs> you know, and that guy who got his brain substituted for a goat's brain. You're right. Yeah, it's, <laughs> uh, it's absolutely, that's the world we live in now. I was trying to think about yeah. where, you know, kind of what the origin of the Frankenstein yeah. story was. Because, so okay, you know, originally written by Mary Shelley, but you know, did she did she do we know that she came up with the idea independently or was this a notion which had already been explored in previous books or plays you know i don't know but yeah. i did a little bit of reading oh. um and first of all well uh, you know what um i'm guessing that ovid's metamorphoses Ooh. Are effectively, you know, a kind of Frankenstein story, are they not? Mm. It's to do with animation and reanimation. A statue yeah. comes to life. Well, that's you know, kind of yeah. what Frankenstein is. And even before that, actually, the story of Adam and Eve in the garden. Well, you know, Eve is a kind of Frankenstein character who's been created from a bit of Adam. Sure. So this actually is a story as old as humanity. This is a story which we have been telling. You know, since stories were first told, it's, uh, you know, it's a straight line, I think, from the story of Adam and Eve uh, to the story of The Fly, directed by David Cronenberg. They're okay. basically the same story, straight, I'd like to think. Straight line. Straight
1: line to straight Cronenberg. Straight line. Yeah. From <laughs> Bible, Ovid, Cronenberg. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, she also called it the modern Prometheus. So she, I think she was also focusing on this idea that the doctor, one single man. Ah would be fooling around with the God's work of creating humans. And so it's called Frankenstein or the modern Prometheus. So she's, I mean, it's interesting because I think both the monster, as we call him, has definitely captured um, human imagination, but also there's this idea of a doctor or someone in a position of science or medicine being able to do godlike things. So it works on a couple of different levels, which is lovely. Um, and it's definitely become, a, you know, like a very pardon the pun, immortal theme.
0: Yeah, yeah, it remains very modern, doesn't it? uh,
1: That goes through literature and film. And that's the thing that interests me, is that it's actually, it's generally considered a kind of morbid, like a a monster story. Um, And I think it's about our own mortality, ultimately. I mean, we'd, we'd love to think that there's a heaven or that we can come back to life. And here, Frankenstein represents this, maybe even if it's in just bits and pieces of other bodies or in some other way that we can have another life um, after this one. And I think that's probably why it's so stuck in our imagination. It's so popular. Um, I'm really, for me, it's, there's a Christian thing to it. And this is kind of what I tried to explore Ah. in my script. My Frankenstein script is that, um, everlasting life and actually being able to come back to life. And you can see these images of Frankenstein on the operating board, very much like on the cross, beat up body that's about to be, uh, rejuvenated um so for me it was sort of a combination of this sort of christian story but also you, you would have guessed this i think of it as a socialist thing too jesus <laughs> back to the stupid socialism um just these different body parts these different individual parts coming together to work as this new whole that will experience or create a new world and so for me it's i think that's probably not the way most people look at frankenstein but that's definitely an angle for me um and then there's one more thing I wanted. to, You talked about Blade Runner, and one thing that Blade Runner is one of those things where I have read the book and seen the movie. Oh. So I just want to say that because I sometimes read books and sometimes yeah, book the two
0: real a book club.
1: Yes, um, what's it called? Do androids dream of electric sheep? And I yes. think that's a really interesting piece there too, because you've got these these androids, these creations, and if we want to call them Frankenstein's, they're sort of been they've been recreated, reanimated. And what do they need? They need a religion too, which is very odd. And then just get, what do they revere? They revere the sheep. And what is the sheep? It's Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I, I, I that, very interesting that, you know, these, as life forms, we need something else to believe in because the miracle of life itself is not quite enough. So we, we end up revering something and what is it in that film there, the, I don't know if it's in the film that's oh that was the most that's the thing is the most interesting thing for me was the book. I loved the worshiping of the sheep, and I think the people had. If if you had enough money, you could get this electric sheep, and it would live mm. on your rooftop. And you'd go up and what kneel, kneel to it, genuf- genuflect and worship this thing on the roof of your <laughs> building. It was
0: left out of the film, which I think would have been great. But um, I mean, I think ninety six percent of the book is left out of the film, isn't no, it? I think I think the film is basically based on like a, a, a fairly short four page section of the actual book. Okay,
1: yeah. Well, that was I remember that as being a really interesting thing, and I remember seeing, then seeing the film and being disappointed.
0: Jeez. Anyway,
1: so I just mentioned uh, Jesus, socialism, and electric sheep.
0: <laughs> um, your, your script was called Some, Some, of, of, the parts. Is Some that right? of the Parts, Some of the Parts, yeah. It's a clever pun, it's clever. clever. That, needs, that needs to find an audience, that script. Um, can you remind me, like in two or three sentences, what was the story of Some of the Parts? Some of the Parts is sort of this, this cult, cult leader who has died, I think it was... Um,
1: flesh-eating virus or something like that. And then he, he worked for, like, a prosthetics. He'd founded this this philanthropic institute that treated burns and created prosthetics, and then his followers, and I call it a reverse Frankenstein because he's kind of the original creator, but then his followers freeze his head and bring him back to life by harvesting new body parts. Oh! And then he, re- he reanimates, they get him reanimated, and then he hates his original creation. He hates the cult that he... Um, <laughs> That he formed. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and then he ends up becoming part of the lobstering community where he lives, where he set up this, and he was hated in the community before. But he becomes this new person, and he brings all sort of the parts of the community come together in this
0: uh, socialist over overtaking of the culture. Man, that, that socialists again. That, that is that reads like a very contemporary idea, man. That is that feels so. Now it is, but there are, no, there are no cell phones in it, so I'd have to rewrite it with cell phones. <laughs> yes, yeah, just put put a few references to the app store, uh, <laughs> in, in the script, and yeah, no one will notice. No one will notice. But you, it, you could rewrite, you know, make sure just it's um, it's a retro script, just saying, you know, Oh, yeah, these events occurred in 1995. Well,
1: yeah. All of my scripts are sort of frozen between, like, yeah, 1999 and 2008. It's got a kind of very narrow window where I can write. So. <laughs> it's
0: just got to be pre-smartphone. That's the only thing, pre-smartphone. Yeah, exactly. pre-smartphone.
1: <laughs> yeah, but again, it was because of reading the book, I realized I was looking for the piece that I needed to bring the whole idea together, and Mary Shelley's book did that. Mm. Or Mary Wollstonecraft,
0: I guess we should really call her. Um, you, you've reminded me of the other... Um Frankenstein film that I uh, haven't mentioned, which is uh, Tetsuo Iron Man. Have you seen that? No. Which is like a super, super low budget uh, Japanese film um, about uh, this guy who's like a he's like a scientist, but he ends up somehow um, melding together with his own electronics experiment and becoming this kind of weird hybrid human come electronic uh, man. I'm just thinking, if, if you uh, if you remade that now, clearly he would meld with his iPhone, wouldn't he? Yeah, exactly. yeah absolutely. He would, just be, he would become an app. I, That's I,
1: yeah, and I think you could make that argument that we're all Frankenstein already.
0: Ah, yeah, well, your smartphone is already kind of an extension of your own memory, isn't it? Yeah. You don't need to remember things now, because you have a smartphone that will remember it for you. Yeah, precisely. So we are all Frankenstein now. We're all Frankenstein. And, and, and um, who is who is our creator? It's Steve Jobs. <laughs> yes. He's the doctor. So actually, that Steve Jobs movie, that was a Frankenstein movie as well. I guess. But we didn't realize it at the time. We didn't. It's
1: focusing on Victor. <laughs> Victor Frankenstein. Not the monster. Yeah, and I think these films are going to be made until we're long gone. It's just an immortal, it's an immortal timeless kind of uh, theme that will go on and on. But with good reason, it comes from
0: great literature, and it will endure. As if great literature ever had anything to do with cinema, nothing, nothing whatsoever. Really. <laughs> we should go. We should go. And, we should go and see the film. Yeah, or go read a
1: book. <laughs> Maybe we go. <laughs> yes. I got to catch up on your reading schedule. I'm going to go read a book. You
0: go watch this film. Right. Okay. All right. Okay. You could be the two real book club next week. <laughs>